And now, live from the University of North Florida campus in the Spinnaker Radio Studios, Funky Grooves and Fitness, with your host just back from a Best Beard contest, coming in second to Rosie O'Donnell, Ben Gordon. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Funky Grooves and Fitness with Doc G. I'm Doc G, and with me, as always, is Eric Cirillo. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I like the high notes. Getting getting very high on that. I like it. Yeah, I had I to hit the falsetto uh, today. This little wine glass. Mm-hmm. Shatter. Yeah, I had a couple on the uh, bar that I just shattered, and it was worth it for this podcast. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it's another Thursday. It's another time for Funky Grooves and Fitness, so let's get into it. The first thing that we are going to talk about is what every show has talked about this uh, this week, which would be Odell Beckham and his crazy sideline antics. He's at it again, right? Now, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to lay this out for everybody in America. The only reason that OBJ's drama is even an issue is because there are millions of American men that hate their wife. I know. I know. It's confusing, right? But let me explain, okay? I'm going to make a fictional character. Let's call him Jeff. Fifteen years ago, Jeff was bored. He didn't have much going on in his life. He finished college. He was at a dead-end job. And so he goes over to his girlfriend, and he's like, Hey, uh, babe, you're the best thing in my life, so uh, would you uh, marry me? Not a good decision, Jeff. Two years into the marriage, he realizes that he doesn't actually like spending time with his wife at all. So he needs an outlet. He needs an outlet that doesn't defend his wife, but it gets him away from her. Football. That becomes a safe place. Sure, he likes football, but he doesn't like it that much. Oh, sorry, babe. I'd love to watch the double feature of the Sisterhood of Yaya Pants in the notebook, but there's a football game on. I can't. Who's playing? Uh, The Detroit Lions versus the Cleveland Browns. Come on. Nobody cares about those teams. They haven't been relevant since I've been alive, and I'm old as crap. If I turn on a game between the Lions and the Browns, it's going to be like 15 minutes before I'm like, hmm, wonder what Jeremy Wade's doing over on River Monsters. Bet he's catching some big-ass arapaima in Brazil. Meanwhile, Jeff's stuck watching the Browns and the Lions because he's got to keep his cover going that he's enthralled with every minute detail of football and just absolutely can't spend time with a wife that he secretly despises. So for guys like Jeff, they're thirsty for outside drama. They need something that can keep them interested. For them, Odell Beckham and his sideline parties are their soap opera. It's Jeff's own version of keeping up with the Kardashians. For our fictional character Jeff, Odell Beckham is Kim Kardashian. He can't wait to see what she does next. Oh, is he going to get a slap fight with Josh Norman? Oh, better yet, is he going to lose a fight with punting net? Who cares? He had three catches for 23 yards in his last game. Meanwhile, the day before, Julio Jones had 300 yards, which was a side note. Nobody even talked about it, 
right? Because he's not keeping up with the Kardashians. He's not a pile of worthless sideline drama. But because Jeff is stuck in his man cave, trying to avoid his wife, you get a camera stuck on the blonde sideshow Bob crying on the sidelines. That's not football. You want to solve the problem of Odell Beckham going nutter butters on the sideline, just get Jeff and the 15 other million guys to divorce their wives so they can stop acting like they're interested in football when they don't actually care. That's the reason Odell Beckham is so popular right now, and it's not important to the game of football. Yes, is he an amazing player? He's probably one of the greatest as far as receiving. Does he show it every week? No, he doesn't. And it's just, it's, it's not important. We don't even need to waste all of this time, even though we are right now. I'm wasting it right now. We don't need to waste it on him. Eric, tell me about how much, if at all, you care about Odell Beckham going banana sandwich on the sidelines. The only reason why I would care about Odell Beckham Jr. going banana sandwich on the sideline is just to see him run into that punny net so I can say, yes, that's what you get. I can't stand you. I cannot put into words the amount of distaste I have for Odell Beckham Jr. Starting with number one, his ramen noodle hair that looks like someone put it in the microwave for a while, had it set out for too long, and then dumped it on their own head. That's number one. Number two, the kid is exactly that. He acts like a little 13-year-old boy on the field who didn't get his way, whose parents gave him everything, and then one day they're like, no, you can't have your treat today, Tommy. And then he was like, but I want it, and started freaking out about it, and then didn't get what he wanted, i.e. a big game. He only had 22 yards. I think, like anything, if it is something that's not important and we have this problem with everything and you know the world of sports and media and news and just you know really tv in general but things that aren't a big deal that everyone deems are a big deal just because it's you know entertaining at that time and so they put a lot of coverage on it when really at the end of the day it doesn't matter there are bigger things happening i.e julio jones having a record-setting day for the second time this is not the first time that he's gone he's gotten 300 receiving yards. That is a much bigger deal than OBJ getting into a fight with another corner or another defensive player on the field. I'm glad he lost. Yeah, I, I think actually the more amazing thing about that fight was that Xavier Rhodes is so old. I was like, look at that guy. I'm cheering for that old dude. He's impressive. He kept up with him too. I mean, he ran him down on the sidelines. I was like, look at him go. He's like 38. And how old is... Odell Beckham, like 22, 23, maybe not even that. I don't know. That's impressive, though. I mean, the thing with for me as far as Odell Beckham is I'm just like sorry, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, is is the fact that like he's I'm not taking anything away from him. He is an amazing player. I don't have any. I don't have you know he he's got more talent for anything athletic that, uh, in his little finger than I do in my whole body. But at the same time, like if I'm watching football and he's not doing anything, then I don't really care what he's doing. Why why, why does the cameraman keep going to him? I don't care. He can go over there and do whatever he wants on the sideline. He can do jumping jacks. He can do cartwheels. He can do yoga poses. He can fight whoever he wants. 
Now, if he fights somebody from, like, the, the stands, that'd be exciting. I'd like to see that. But, like, I, I don't really care, you know, what he does. And that that's that's my point. Like, why why waste it if, if, if you know... If there's if there's better things going on, if there's more important things going on, and you know, I think it's it's exactly that. There's a bunch of people out there who don't actually really care about the football. They're worried about everything else that goes on, and he's fueled on that. You know, I mean, you can tell he's one of those guys that he just he he loves it. And so then he comes out the after after the weekend, he comes out and says, "God, just me against the world. Everybody hates me, man. I can't help it. I'm a target." Well, then don't do it if you're that worried about it, man. <laughs> you know, but it's it's he's a he's a good player. It's just you gotta you gotta scratch your head sometimes about what he does, man. Do you think that since it was a Monday night game this week, that if it would have been on Sunday, that it would have been talked about more or less? If it were on Sunday, yeah. Uh, if it were. Now, I, I actually think it would have been talked about just as much because ever since that Josh Norman, you know, debacle last year, that's really what everybody, they do. They He is, I mean, he is a bit of a target. He is that person that people want to see, and if he's going to do something, he's got to understand everybody's going to want to see it and everybody's going to want to hear about it. So, I mean, you know he can't really avoid it and I think if it were a noon game on Sunday or a night game on Sunday or you know Monday night or Thursday night it would have been it would have been headline news just because it's it's him mm-hmm. but you know I yeah until until he's until he's dominating like he did with his one hand catch that launched him into the stardom where he is at I'm just not too interested in, in talking about his uh, his stats, you know, or, or lack thereof. But is it any different than when Des Bryant would do it on the sideline? I mean, but, I know. I'm but see, that's the thing. That's help. what I was telling somebody the other day is that Des and like you know your Steve Smith and your Terrell Owens and your and, and your Chad uh, Ocho Cinco, all those guys backed it up. You know, there weren't many times that those guys. And if the and, and that's the thing is usually if they were doing bad, it wasn't really. I mean, like that. Was, Odell Beckham had a, a fairly good amount of drop passes, whereas you know I've I've seen Des freak out. He almost got in a fight with uh, Witten one time, and you know he wasn't getting the ball though. He he he, he didn't get targeted like the whole game. That's a little different. Because like every receiver is gonna freak out when they they don't get the ball. I can understand that a little bit more, um, but you know, at the same time, it's like that was that was one of the things that I was like. It seems like your your antics are getting in your own head, which is the even big problem. You know, it, it seems to be screwing you up more than anything. You're you're losing fights to to nets. You're you're getting in slap fights with old men like Xavier Rhodes and he's beating the crap out of you. It's not a good look. But that's just me, man. Anyways, so that's the Odell Beckham story, you know, and that's, I'm sure there will be more of them. I don't know if we'll dedicate any more time to Odell Beckham on this podcast. But moving on, we are moving on now to the Fitness news. And now the news. Jeez. 
Better hurry up there. It sounds like our voiceover guy isn't going to make it too much longer. Let's get through these stories. Uh, recently, the Huffington Post released a story titled The Scary Impact. Exercise for a skipping exercise for only 10 days has on your brain. The story reviewed a small study published in the Frontiers of Aging Neuroscience, where researchers from the University of Maryland uh, tried to find out what happens when you stop exercising. They recruited 12 exceptionally fit and active adults between the ages of 50 and 80, and they were asked to cease all exercise and adopt a sedentary lifestyle for 10 days. In just that short span, the researchers observed some significant brain changes. The subjects showed decreased blood flow in eight different parts of the brain, including the hippocampus, the brain's memory center, and several regions that are commonly affected by Alzheimer's disease. Now, the thing I like about this story is basically it shows how sad our country has become at routinely performing exercise. Because if you just tell a normal story about exercise and the negative effects of being sedentary, people are like, that's it? I just get fat? Maybe diabetes? Possibly a heart attack? That's not too bad. I'll rot it out, see where it takes me. This couch is comfy. This story tries to grip you with the title that is scary. A scary impact on your brain. You will become an effing zombie if you don't exercise. And I guarantee you, there are still people out there that are like, zombie? Like, what what level of zombie? Are we, are we talking Walking Dead zombie or like zombie land zombie? Eric, are you worried your brain is going to rot out if you don't work out or you just worried your brains are going to rot out from all the pre-workout you take? <laughs> uh, I think my uh, kidneys and liver are already shot, but... Um... No, I'm more worried that I'll wake up one day and just all my muscles and just everything will be gone and I'll be a shriveled up old man, like Benjamin Button kind of, but not Brad Pitt, unfortunately. Pure, uh, purely aesthetic worries. Gotcha. Yes. Um, we all have that kind of problem if you work out a lot. You know, a lot of people, if you're a quote-unquote meathead, as people like to call it, uh, if you go like two days without working out, which I'm currently doing, I'm afraid I'm going to work. Uh, wake up tomorrow morning and I just will be just a sack of bones. Oh, man. But uh, no, I don't, you know, I'm not really worried about that because 10 days is a long time and I don't think you'll, you know, start to lose memory or anything like that. I just, you know, think you'll maybe get a little lazy. But if at the same time it could reverse and get you motivated to get back in the gym because you're like, holy crap, I haven't worked out for 10 days. I need to do something. Well, speaking of not working out, CBS News recently reported that 9 out of 10 teens don't get enough exercise. The researchers followed students at 44 high schools for four years and found that only 9% met the current exercise recommendations. 9%. That's for all you Ferris Bueller fans out there. For the most part, these habits held steady after high school though college students were slightly more active than non-students. Studies have shown that few young people are heeding that advice. Um, this came on the heels of another study that compared the fitness levels of children ages 9 to 17 from 50 different countries. In the fitness tests that were completed between these 50 different countries, America's children placed 47th out of 50. Out of 50, we were 47th. We only beat Latvia, Peru, and Mexico. So you're telling me the United States can almost double 
the amount of gold medals any country won at the Olympics, but our kids can't beat kids from Tanzania and Estonia in a run. Also, I'm noticing a trend. Americans don't exercise when they're in elementary school, none in high school, not really in college, and then turn around around 30 and say, hey, wait a second, why am I fat and out of shape? I think one reason may be you didn't exercise for 30 years. Eric, do you plan on working out till you're 30? Yeah, I hope so. If I can still move at that point, like we said, my liver and kidneys might have just gone out by that point. Um, uh, I hope I still can work out by that time. I'm sure think, you can. Yeah, I think it's funny though. You know, in my experience, a lot of people started working out in college. You have a few people that, after freshman year, after they gain that, you know, 15 or 25 pounds or like 50, as some people I know, they're like, "Holy hell, I need to work out real bad," and uh, and then they, you know, they get back into it. So. Um, yeah, I, don't know, I think it's surprising though. Yeah, very uh, well. I mean, it is America. We don't work out. Speaking of, there are some Americans that want to lose weight by getting a fitness tracker. Weight loss on your wrist, fitness trackers may not help. Was a story released by also uh, NPR, which they claim that fitness trackers may not be able to help you lose weight. What? The 470 people in the study were put on a low-calorie diet and asked to exercise more. They all started losing weights. Six months in, half the group members started self-reporting their diet and exercise. The other half were given fitness trackers to monitor their activity. After this, uh, after two years of doing the either self-reporting or the fitness tracker, they found that the fitness levels of both groups were very similar, but the people with the fitness trackers didn't lose weight. You know, I completely understand. I brought some, I bought some broccoli the other day, and I ate all of it, and I couldn't run a mile under four minutes. I mean, what's the deal, right? Hey, NPR, that's not what fitness trackers are for, right? They're for getting people in shape to track your fitness, not losing weight. This isn't a story. They're ridiculous that they put it out there. Eric, have you ever tracked your fitness with a fitness tracker? I have not because I don't need to do that because I'm already addicted to working out. So uh, I don't need to track my fitness because right now it's just becoming an accessory and not really a device to help people. But you look pretty cool. I know. That's I, I see those. I'm like, oh, it looks so official. I should get one. And then I'm just like, eh, I'm too lazy. I don't want to, you know, go through all that work of plugging it in and bragging about my 17,000 steps I do every day. Yeah, my battery's dead right now. I can't brag about steps. It's pretty upsetting, and I'm too lazy to get a new battery. You know. Mine doesn't recharge. I have to actually have a battery. Do you have that that cool one that, like, oh, yeah, no, you just said that. I was going to say the the cool new one that looks like an Apple Watch, but Mm, it's not. Not cool at all. Mine is an old man, put it on the the hip, I check my steps. Uh, you have those little like disc uh, shaped batteries. I don't even know like what those are called. But. Exactly, they're, they're very hard to find. They're elusive. I have to go to CVS for them. Anywho, oh, CVS for like twenty seven dollars. A plug for CVS in our podcast. Anywho, moving on in the fitness news and other fitness news, the Valley News Live in 
Fargo, North Dakota, released a story titled Social Media Star Stops in Fargo, Inspiring the Fitness Community. Rob Bailey, owner of Flag Nor Fail, is touring the country, and he made an announcement on Snapchat that he'd be coming to Fargo. After picking up some hitchhikers on his way to Fargo, he stopped at the Metroflex gym to work out with some of his fans. I think the more interesting fact about this story is about how it's an actual story in North Dakota. No offense to all of our listener, if that, from North Dakota, but the sights and attractions of North Dakota aren't really headliners of the good old U.S. of A., How about you, Eric? Ever take a trip through the Dakotas, maybe with that Harley mama on your way to uh, Sturge's bike show? Uh, No, I can't say I have. Uh, Unfortunately, I can't grow a beard, so I can't get a Harley. Um, I can. I think that's that's hilarious that, you know, the two most just irrelevant states in America, sorry not to be disrespectful, but just being honest— the Dakotas. Don't worry. Last time I checked, we actually didn't have any listeners from Dakotas. So, see, there you go. Whammo. Until yeah. until we get those viewers, we'll just trash the Dakotas up until that point. Uh, moving on, a recent story released uh, by CNN debunked certain fitness myths. One of those myths was that having sex burns about the same amount of calories as walking a mile. They said that that is false and that the average man only burns 20 calories during sex, and that's just about 14 calories more than watching TV during the same amount of time. Oh, now there you go, CNN. Before that story, we had 9 out of 10 teenagers not getting enough physical activity. Now we have 10 out of 10 not getting enough physical activity. Thanks for losing our last teenager due to your sex talk. Eric, are you worried about this myth being debunked? Uh, no, I didn't realize that you could burn calories watching TV. Yeah, that's a basal metabolic rate right there. Yeah, it's amazing because when I watch TV, I always have a bag of Fritos with me and I'm like, but now I know I'm actually losing weight. That's fantastic. I'll get my Fitbit. I'll do that. And then I just won't have sex anymore because clearly that was never really helping me to begin with. Well, technically the Fritos are burning more weight too. But that's a whole nother issue. Anywho, that's thermogenesis, thermogenesis of uh, uh, effect of food, guys. And we're not going to get that technical. In other extremely important fitness news, Courtney Kardashian was seen leaving the gym last week. Wait for it. It gets even more exciting. Wearing some fitness gear designed by her stepdad, Caitlyn Jenner. Apparently, Caitlyn has been working with H&M on a new fashion line for about the past seven months. I had no idea this had happened. Not that Kourtney Kardashian worked out, which is obviously earth-shattering news itself, but Caitlyn Jenner has been making ladies' workout clothes. She might be overreaching a little bit there. I mean, don't get me wrong. She's got all kinds of fitness background. She won a gold medal in the decathlon for Pete's sakes in the dudes division. I'm just not sure she's got enough background in the gender. Let me give it an analogy. It's like the headless horseman suddenly procuring a head and then out of nowhere, like two months later, coming out with a new line of beanies and skull caps. You'd be like, really? This dude didn't have a head for like 30 years. Now he's telling us how to decorate ours. I mean, you know, I mean, that seems like what's going on with her. But if she's selling clothes, good for her. Go Caitlyn Jenner. Sorry, Eric. 
I don't think Caitlyn has unveiled a dude's line of clothing yet. That's, uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to take a second here and really collect my thoughts because I'm a little shocked. Um, not at the clothing. I am still so confused. It says, you said her stepdad, but it's a woman. I don't know what to call her, him, Caitlyn Bruce. I, what the hell? Don't be gender shaming, man. It's a she. That's what she wants to go with. Moving on. What? Her stepdad. I know. Well, that was in in the past. Moving on. Police in Maryland uh, had to are on the lookout for a man who is on the loose that uh, interrupted a Maryland student's workout uh, while he was naked in College Park, Maryland. Uh, they're looking for a man who showed up to a woman's student's workout uh, on the campus of the University of Maryland uh, naked. Um, the safety notice uh, said that the police were called around 5.20 uh, Monday morning to report the incident. The student said she was working out in the plaza uh, when she heard a noise behind her. When she turned around, she saw a naked man. The student said the man began to work out with her and attempted to talk to her. So this is great. So she's working out. It's 5.20 in the morning, and a naked dude just, like, pops out of the bushes and is like, hey, what's up? You doing squats? Cool. There's so many fantastic parts of this story. First, there's a dude out there that thought the best idea to pick up a lady friend would be going strolling around the campus completely naked uh, at 5.30 in the morning and looking for ladies that like to work out at 5.30 in the morning. I'm guessing if they're working out at 5 in the morning, they're not the most super social type. Uh, Second... The girl stayed long enough for the naked guy to talk to her. In what scenario ever would a naked guy cruising up beside you at your 5 a.m. workout have anything worth hearing long enough before you haul ass out of there? Oh, hey, a naked guy's approaching me. I'm sure he has some totally sane and noteworthy points to make. I'll just hang out until he comes up and talks to me. Apparently, the police are still looking for this perp in Maryland. Eric, where were you Monday morning? Were you in Maryland? Uh, uh, I have to go. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. Knew it. No, I think that that is funny, though, because I think the same thing. You know, uh, this naked guy just comes up and starts working out with her, and that's the way I picture this scenario was just them, all right, ladies, here we go. And this guy's just like, ooh, I want to get on in this. Hey, do you guys mind if I join in? Cool. Just cruises up so easy-peasy. Hey, how's it? Oh, my clothes? Yeah, I don't wear those. Let's get into this workout. They all just start freaking out. He's like, what? What's going on? I just want to get a workout in. Jeez. So... In ABC News recently released an interview with Donald Trump where they discussed the presidential candidate's health. He said in the interview with Dr. Oz that he believes hand gestures to count as a form of exercise. This just in, Donald Trump has declared mimes to be the most physically fit people on the planet. And right there, you're talking about tremendous, 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 tremendous amount, tremendous. With the lifting all the time, right? Eric, how many cars did you flip off on your way to school today? Because apparently that counts as a workout. So hopefully a lot of them. (laughs) Well, that's every day. Um, You know, looking at that, I just I think, you know, maybe 
you know, just hear me out now. Maybe he was trying to be a little crude and have a little, you know, a little innuendo in there. And he was like, hmm, we'll see who gets this joke. It's going to be huge. And then he you know, <laughs> threw it in there. I, I you, you can you can only hope, but that's it's sort of like OBJ. That's all the time I'm gonna give for Mr. Donald. Uh, moving on, finally, get ready for it, guys. Rossfit is still alive. Uh, CrossFit, I call it Rossfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Rossfit now. <laughs> yes. Shout out to all my pear eaters. They, you know, they give me fruit to eat. You know what I'm saying? I forgot what fruit had, you know, tasted like. I eat pears now. Shout out to all the pear. Yeah. People Magazine released an article interviewing rapper Rick Ross and discussed the 75 pounds of weight that he has lost and how he did it. question that was not answered for me in this article is why he constantly did not wear a shirt when he was 350 pounds, and now that he's 260 pounds, he almost always wears a shirt. Doesn't really make sense to me. Eric, what do you think about Rossfit and the 90 pounds, 75 pounds-ish that he's lost? Well, I think if we want to, we want to solve the, the issue of the t-shirt, it's simple. Uh, when he was 300 pounds, he was like, hey, I'm 300 pounds. Who cares? Now he's losing weight, and he's like, I look good. Oh, God. I'm so fat right now. I can't show myself. Oh, he's body shamed himself. That is sad. Mm-hmm. Body dysmorphia hits all of us. <sighs> all right, guys. That concludes it. That is our fitness news. Remember, if you missed any of the show and you want to catch up, you can always listen to our podcast, which you probably know about since you're listening to it now. But... It's on SoundCloud.com slash Doc underscore G underscore fitness. That's SoundCloud.com slash Doc underscore G underscore fitness. Yo, 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 listening to Doc G's Funky Grooves and Fitness. Shut your mouth. So we are going to switch gears after our fitness news. We are moving on to NCAA football. Week 5 was full of excitement. I mean, tons of great games, and it started off last Thursday night. Uh, Eric, if you want to take us through our game uh, recap from last week, that'd be fantastic. Sure thing. Like We'll start off, like you said, on Thursday night, number 6 Houston easily handled Connecticut 42-14, just making another case of why they belong in the – in the top 10 and where they are on Friday in the top 10 matchup, Stanford was rocked by Washington 44 to six, just brutal. Alabama naturally cruised by Kentucky 34 to six to remain unbeaten in another SEC dominant performance. Ohio State shut out the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers 58 to zero. In the game of the week, Clemson squeaked by number three Louisville 42 to 36, which was really just a hell of a game. I mean, just from start to finish, and especially that second half. In the showdown in the Big Ten, Michigan beat Wisconsin 14-7, their first non-blowout 
of the season. Texas A&M ultimately outlasted my South Carolina Gamecocks 24-13. In a double Hail Mary game, Tennessee beat Georgia 34-31. That was reminiscent of the NCAA uh, Final Four championship last year. North Carolina ended Florida State's 22 home game winning streak, beating them with a last-second field goal 37-35. Baylor managed to stay undefeated by barely beating Iowa State 45-42. Miami, shout out Ben, won their first ACC game against Georgia Tech 35-21. Nebraska took care of business against Illinois 31-16. Ole Miss, my wild card pick, continued to take care of business against Memphis 48-28. Michigan State lost to Indiana for the first time since 2006, losing 21-24. Utah fell from the ranks of the unbeaten, losing to Cal 23-28. Number 19, San Diego State lost to unranked South Alabama 24-42. Jeez. Arkansas easily handled Alcorn State 52-10. Shocker there. Oklahoma outlasted TCU in a shootout 52-46. Texas fell from the top 25 by losing to Oklahoma State 31-49. And Florida beat fellow SEC East foe Vanderbilt in an offensively challenged game ending with a score of 13-6. Talk about a real shootout there. And finally, Boise State took care of business on their blue turf 21-10 against Utah State. Woo! All right. That was a good recap, man. It was a good weekend for college football. Eric what game stuck out to you the most as far as this past weekend's football? Well, I think the one that we're all going to, a lot of people are looking at, which naturally so, is the game day, game of the week, uh, Clemson and Louisville. Just a really big game with a lot of implications on it. Two top five teams, or top ten at least. I can't remember where Clemson was ranked. They keep jumping around on me. I think there uh, were five at the time, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, top five, but... um. I mean, such a close game, and really that second, you know, Clemson was looking like they were going to just kind of take it over and really easily, you know, for lack of a better word, win it. And then the second quarter, or second half, excuse me, uh, Louisville just came out and really just started going at it. And then I thought, oh, shoot, Louisville's going to take this. You know, they're just going to, they're going to get the lead. Once they did, I thought, no way Clemson comes back. And then they do come back. And so um, it was just such a shootout, such a big game with so many implications of, you know, Heisman, you know Heisman implications going on with Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and you know them both having to make a case. Deshaun Watson, I would argue more so than Lamar Jackson, but um, that was just a really it was a big game. It was entertaining. It was just it was a lot of fun to watch. It was ups and downs, definitely. I mean, because that was the thing was when I first started watching, I was like, oh well. Louisville's got this. You know, they came out gunslinging, firing, scored the touchdowns, took the wind out of the the stadium, and I was just like, man, they came to play. And then all of a sudden, Clemson comes back, boom, gets way on top, and I was like, oh, okay, well, that wasn't what I thought was going to happen. And then second half, come back, uh, equalize it, basically, are playing, both are playing great by the fourth quarter, and you have Clemson squeak it out. One of the things that I wanted to mention about that game that uh, really irked me, and you know, uh, as a USC graduate, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Clemson, but I'll try to keep my bias uh, at a minimum. But it still irked me was uh, Ben Bullware chokeholding Jackson and not getting anything for it. 
I mean, he came down on the ground and literally pulled back on his neck as hard as he could, and you could see it easily for like five seconds, and nothing happened. And I was like, are you kidding me? A guy's pulling a, a wrestling move in the middle of this game, and I mean, it's, it's, it's almost as obvious as when uh, um, um, Marcus Vick stomped on a guy's uh, leg, and you're not going to give him any kind of penalty for that, and the ref was just like, eh, break it up. I thought that was that was ridiculous, and I thought how that was handled was ridiculous. I mean, I, I feel like if you're chokeholding somebody, that is definitely, I mean, that's, you know, that's along the lines of targeting. Uh, you just don't do that in a football game, and I, I couldn't believe that that happened, and then I couldn't believe that nobody did anything about it. You know, that, that, that to me sort of blew my mind. Well, you know, he didn't tap out, so... <laughs> Yeah, oh, he he tapped out. He was he was angry after that. He jumped up. He was very mad. I mean, they had to settle. In. That that was actually the only time that I've ever seen Jackson show any emotion. Too was I mean was on that play. He was he was fired up. But regardless, it was a, a super interesting game. Uh, Jackson did make his point and kept his stance as the uh, front runner for the Heisman. Uh, and then Deshaun Watson stayed basically where he was at. For the Heisman, maybe made it a little bit better in some people's opinion, um, but it, you know, I I think it did a lot too for the the ACC. I think if it were a blowout game, it wouldn't have been nearly as good for the ACC. But since both of them were competitive, you still have this uh, this potential in the ACC for both of these teams. I think. Now, call me crazy, and this may you know, there's a lot of other games that have to go on. I think Clemson is going to overlook Florida State completely. I think regardless of what happens to Florida State playing Miami and the other teams that they have to... Actually, I think that's the only two teams they have on their schedule before Clemson. But regardless, I think they're going to overlook them because of what's happened to Florida State now with their whole... Uh, you know, they lost to, um, lost to Louisville and then lost to uh, North Carolina. Uh I, I think they're going to overlook them, and uh, Florida State's going to come and punch them in the mouth. I could be wrong, but that's what I think is going to happen. Uh, which brings me to the other game, Florida State-UNC. Uh, you didn't watch that game, right, because you were watching the uh, Texas A&M-South uh, Carolina game. Yeah, I was I was a little a little busy in, Willi in old Williams Bryce cheering on the losing team. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I I was not at a stadium at that time. I was flipping through a whole bunch of different games at once, and that was one of them was the Florida State game. And it was, I mean, that was another. You, you sort of wonder about the Florida State team this year because for three, uh, well, for two quarters, they did nothing. They got down by 21 again this time to UNC, and you're just like, what are you guys doing? And it looked like they were half asleep. All of a sudden, they turned it on. They come all the way back. They score at the very end, and you're like, okay, well, geez, they barely squeaked that one out. And then UNC's kicker's like, mm, nah, I'm going to hit a 54-yard field goal. It's the longest of my career. Boom. Take that. And it, I, you know, it, that that game was extremely exciting. And then on the flip side, you also had the Tennessee-Georgia game. Where that was even crazier. Because then you have Tennessee, who you thought was dead in the water, uh, and they sack uh, Georgia's quarterback in the end zone, get a fumble recovery, get a touchdown, and you're like, all right, boom, look at that. 
Tennessee's going to pull it out. That's crazy. Then all of a sudden, Georgia comes back, hits a Hail Mary with 10 seconds left. You're like, wow, okay, I was wrong. Who would have thought? 10 seconds left. They get two penalties on Georgia, and Tennessee comes back, hits a Hail Mary, and they win the game. I mean, that had to have been one of the, the, the craziest games for a very long time, for the last several years right there. What did you what did you think of that game? I know you didn't actually see that game because you were involved in others, but what did you think of that game when you saw the highlights? Well, you know, just like I said, it, it reminded me of, you know, the Final Four championship last year, the you know, with UNC and just kind of going back and forth and you think, oh, this team's got it. They just had that Hail Mary. They got the final shot. And then, oh, no, wait, hold up. There's still more time left and the impossible has happened. It's just it's one of those crazy things that just happens every so often that you just have to stop and be like i i i have no words Mm -hmm. i can't believe this happened now and and especially because he caught the ball it like it went right into the receiver's hands it wasn't like it was deflected or anything like that like he went up there and got it well it's one of those things that you hear like on every single talk show sports talk show ever is when there is a hail mary Every defender needs to get in the air and knock the ball down. Don't try to grab it. Don't try to do anything. Knock it down. Get in front of the offensive player and knock it down. Nobody was in front of them, and you didn't really see anybody try to knock it down. And you're like, didn't you guys practice this? Wasn't that somewhere in in your practice that you talked about this? But, you know, then again, I wasn't at the practice. Maybe they didn't do it. I don't know. Uh... Another interesting game from last week that we actually didn't review, which I thought was interesting, LSU without uh, Les Miles. Dominated. Uh, granted, they were playing uh, Missouri, but they, they did dominate. They came in and they, they smashed Missouri. Who Missouri's been competitive in other SEC games, so I don't know. I think maybe Ogeron has something going at LSU. I feel like this this always happens when you, a replacement coach comes in and a lot of times like I've seen it happen multiple times where that next week that team will win and everyone's like um, uh, we should have done this a long time ago we should have fired that guy and had this assistant step in and head this team and then you know the things go back to the way they should be that team sucks for the rest of the season and life continues on i think that's what's <laughs> yeah that wasn't that doesn't necessarily need to be though the way life needs to be that lsu needs to suck but i see what you're saying and there, there is something to be said for that motivation of getting a new coach that coach coming in with fire it's like usc last year when they came uh, you know when when spurrier stepped down you you had that that moment of like what do we do and then Elliot came in and for a second there it looked like wow Elliot might do this and he did he kept him competitive the whole time um but I you know people keep saying what will it take for Ogeron to stay the coach at LSU and I think the only way that he stays the coach at LSU if he beats Alabama and that's not gonna happen so he's not gonna be the coach at LSU uh who knows I could be wrong and I'm sure there's nobody that wants me to be more wrong than Ed Ogeron because <laughs> that would probably make him super excited uh listening to this podcast and thinking oh you are so wrong Doc G I can't wait until he proves me wrong and then he comes on and he's like hey remember when you said that I wasn't gonna be the coach suck it and then he'd be <laughs> like oh man Ogeron strikes again he got me uh 
but great games this past week. Uh, one thing that I want to mention as far as the recaps of the uh, games this past week, uh, Nick Saban had his typical press conference that he has after all of his games, of course. And during the press conference, Nick Saban was asked how he would handle a situation where his player wanted to protest. Not surprisingly, Saban said they would talk about it first, and it would be a team decision, and they would handle it on an individual basis. Then, as quickly as he possibly could, he changed the subject, and not surprisingly with his answer, Saban stayed right in the middle of the road where he wants to do because he doesn't want to have any political ideas or any uh, thoughts outside of the norm. All he wants to do is win football and make money. That's what he wants to do. But one thing I want to address can we come up with a better advertisement for Coke than those effing Coke bottles on the side of Nick Saban's podium? Because they're always there, but nobody drinks from them. Has anyone ever been convinced after watching that press conference that they needed a Coke because of that one Coke? I mean, have the ad wizards at Coke done research and been like, you know what? If we just do a sign... That's not going to work. We have to have the bottle. That's the only viable option for our advertising. If we don't, no one will buy it. I mean, I think their fuzzy polar bear would do just the same thing. If you had Nick Saban up there just stroking the fuzzy polar bear as he talked, and he was like, hey, guys, anybody want a Coke? <clears throat> Tastes so good going down. You know? I think that'd be great. Second thing about Saban is... Um, I think when they ask him about protesting, that he should just take it next level on them. You know, when they say something about protesting, he should be like, mm, I think that we're not going to protest until I see a NASCAR racer protesting the same uh, political um, notion. Right? Is that ever going to happen? Are we ever actually going to see a NASCAR <laughs> event is that the the place that this would never ever happen i mean i don't want to say any political leanings of any sport i'm just saying if we're looking at all sports out there and we're considering nascar as a sport i'm guessing that's not where the protests are ever going to happen and you know nick saban bringing it up would be pretty funny because he's nick saban so anyways Anyways, we have some big games this weekend. I'm pretty excited about them. They're not the highlight headlining games that were happening last weekend, but they're good games nonetheless. One of the best games that we have is in the SEC, Tennessee versus Texas A&M. We've got Butch Jones, Flat Top McGee. We've got Kevin Sumlin, Texas A&M coach. They're headed for a top 10 matchup, number nine versus number eight. Uh, Eric, who do you think is going to pull it out? Well, you know, uh, I think I'm torn right now because it's a good matchup. Number eight, number nine, both SEC teams, both really, you know, uh, so far pretty good teams. But I think Texas A&M will win this one. They've got the better defense. Their offense is pretty good. Carolina held them uh, back this week, but I think that was just kind of an off week. They're home, too. And Tennessee, I'm really not sold on Tennessee. They've won some games that they probably should have lost. Uh, I think they've gotten lucky. And all those games, too, uh, you know, especially last week, they were home. And that was just a wild game in general. That was just one of those, like we said earlier, just a crazy game. So 
I think the real Tennessee will come out this week. We'll see that, hey, maybe they're not so good. Maybe they're kind of a, just a fairly a little bit higher average team. But Texas A&M will, I think, with being home and just just everything, I think Texas A&M will pull it out and win by a pretty decent margin. By the way, I want to mention uh, that I've knocked on Butch Jones's uh, flat top several times. They actually were giving away Butch Jones haircuts before the Georgia game for free at a couple different uh, barber shops, and I was like, "Who would go in and do that?" And they were showing like these like ten-year-old kids coming out with flat tops, looking like Johnny Unitas from 1960, and I was like, "I that don't." No, I wouldn't sign up for that. My, no, not not for Butch Jones. Not happening for me. Uh, another game that I'm very excited about, uh, Florida State versus Miami. The old rivalry rekindled. Uh, Miami being much higher uh, ranked, number 10. Florida State being ranked number 23. Uh, I'll put in my two cents real, here, uh, real quick here on this one. Uh, I want Miami to win. I'm biased, obviously. Uh, but at the same time, um, I, I, I can't say that Miami's really proved themselves this year. I want to believe that they have, and I want to, you know, as a fan, I want to be like, yeah, they totally are where they need to be. But I can't say that because all I can go off of is an Appalachian State game and a uh, Georgia Tech game. And we looked good in both of them. We definitely did. Uh, but, you know, I, I still am not convinced off of those two games. Uh, I think we can beat Florida State, though, because I think they're, they're stumbling right now. And so I, I think uh, Miami pulls this one out. That might be my bias talking, but I think since it's at home and we're playing Florida State, we pull it out and uh, we keep traveling on that up and up. Florida State, however, I mean, you know, they got a lot of kinks to work out, and I don't think they're going to work them out by this weekend. What do you think about this matchup? I think it's a pretty good one. You know, both ranked. Uh, Florida State, though, I similar to Tennessee, I don't really think they're that good. Um, now, they're a little bit different, though. Number 23, they're barely ranked. Um, I think they've been disappointing this year. Not as not as good as I thought they were going to be. But uh, you know, Miami also surprises me. You know, number 10, that's pretty high. I thought, you know, 17 was high for them last week, and then they jump up. So, um yeah, they've they've been real gracious with our with our uh, rankings, which has surprised me as far as the AP rankings. But uh, yeah, I mean, even as a as a Miami fan, I don't uh, ten is 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 very gracious for us for for what we've done so far as far as our resume has is concerned. Yeah, it definitely does surprise me. So. I think it'll be a good game. I really do. I think it'll be close. It's, um, it's always I, because it's it's a you know a rivalry game. It's always a, a good game. You know, it's just uh, it's it's who brings it more. Because I mean, that's one of those things. It's it's what everybody always talks about as far as the Florida games go. It's guys that have been playing against each other forever, and you know they've been playing together since they were five. And now they're just on two amazing teams in college playing against each other instead. Uh, another good game that I think, well, I don't know if I'd say a good game, especially the way you knocked on them, but I think it's a good game. LSU versus Florida. Uh, I think LSU uh, uh, is going to roll over Florida big time in this game. Because um, Florida's ranked 18th. I don't think they've showed what they you know can do really. Uh 
And I, I just think LSU has way more firepower, even without uh, uh, Fournette being in the lineup. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'll take Florida. No, excuse me, LSU. Sorry, <laughs> I was, I was. <laughs> Oh, no, change it. It was um, 50-50. I'll go LSU. I'll go Florida. No, whatever you want me to do. At, I was looking at Florida as I was saying that. Um, I'll take LSU in this one. Really, I just, yeah. It's one of those games where it's like, I don't care. You know, I don't like either of these teams. I really don't think either of them are that good. But I'll take Leonard Fournette against Florida. Even no, though Fournette's going to be there. Do what? He's not going to be there. He's He's out See? for the game. Yeah, which is what I just was about to say, even though he's not even protected to play. So, um, you know, LSU probably. I'd, I'd like to see him win just to see, you know, with everything that's been going on, <clears throat> excuse me, in less miles and, and this new, you know, coach stepping up. So I'd like to see LSU pull it out. I think that'd be good. Good for them. It would be a good confidence booster. And Florida's just always one of those teams past few years where they're ranked, but they really don't show a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, well, they, they don't have – they don't have any offensive power. What about the Alabama-Arkansas game? Uh, do you think Arkansas has any chance? I actually do. Being at home, I think, will be a really big determining factor. And, I, you know, I know their home crowd will be going crazy just because it's, it's against Alabama. So, um, and it's Arkansas. You don't have too much else to do besides go crazy for your Razorbacks. Exactly. Just a few steps above the Dakotas. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, suck it, Dakotas. Yes. But uh, I think uh, I think Arkansas can pull it out. Will they? Uh, I, you know, the safe bet is always to go with Alabama, unfortunately. But um, I think it'll, you know, again, I think it'll be a really good game. I'm excited to see how it plays out. Hopefully, it won't be a blowout. Uh, those uh, one last game that we have coming up: uh, Virginia Tech versus North Carolina. Virginia Tech, not really sure how they're in the top twenty-five. Uh, since they did get pretty well demolished by Virginia Tech, or no, sorry, they pretty well much got demolished by Tennessee, which you know um, leaves me a head scratcher that they're 25. But you know, uh, they're 25. North Carolina's 17. Uh, where do you see that game going? Uh, oh, these games this weekend. Yeah, you're right. These are. <laughs> Is not the weekend we had last weekend. Hey, I uh, think they're interesting, man. There's a lot of sub. There's a lot of subtitles in these games. There's a lot of underlying interest in these games. Very true. Um, I'll probably take North Carolina just because I think they're the better team. Like you said, Virginia Tech. I don't know how they got ranked. That really surprises me. But I guess Georgia losing um, kind of helps out with that. So I think North Carolina is is a decent team this year, and I think they could probably pull it out against Virginia Tech. Yeah, well, they're coming off there. Again, they're riding that motivation, man. They just came off of that win against Florida State. They're excited about it. Uh, it's going to be an exciting game. I don't, I don't know who I give it to in that game. That's really that's really a toss-up because both of those teams got their mojo going. Both of those teams want to win the Coastal Division of the ACC, which is always up. Uh, here's another one. Uh, last one we'll talk about. Do you think there's any chance of Clemson uh, having any, you know, signs of fall off after playing Louisville? They play tomorrow night against Boston College. Uh, yes, I absolutely think there is because it's Boston College, and Boston College plays Clemson very well. Okay, so potential at least playing close is what you're saying. Yes, I, I hope so. Okay. 
All right, that will do it for our football segment, you guys. Let's switch gears uh, now to the NBA. Let's talk just real quick about the NBA because we're in the preseason, which blew my mind. I turned on ESPN last night, and basketball was going on. I was like, what? What is going on with the world right now? There's basketball again? And Derrick Rose is on the Knicks? What kind of world do I live in? Anyways, what I want to talk about in the NBA is... I've, uh, Stephen A. Smith brought it up. He was like, hey, guess what? The Warriors are so good, it's boring. They're ridiculously good. Nobody's even going to want to watch basketball. That's how good they are. And then there was another... Uh, there were like three articles on ESPN about how amazing they were. And let me tell you, it's going to take them a while to mesh. Okay, I, whatever they come out and do at the beginning of the year is going to be a disappointment. Basically, it's like the Cavs were when they first formed the Big Three. They formed the Big Three, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, they're the new favorite. Oh, they're going to be so great. And it was just like last year at the start. The Cavs were the favorite to win the championship, even though the Warriors had just come off of winning the championship. And everybody was so high on the Cavs. That's what's going to happen with the Warriors. Everybody's going to be so high on them, they're going to lose a couple of games, and people are going to be like, uh, hmm, uh, they, they, they haven't won 73 games. What's the problem? Are they the worst team ever? Did Kevin Durant make a, a, a poor decision? All this kind of stuff. It's just fueling the fire. And I'm just telling you right now, don't think the, the Warriors are going to go like undefeated this year because it's not going to happen. Eric, what do you think about the Warriors this year? I think the same thing, kind of like you touched on, I think the same thing will happen just like when LeBron was in Miami. You know, it does take time, and I think they will be good. Um, there's no doubt about that. I don't think that they'll have the 66.5 wins that Vegas had them at a couple weeks ago, but I think it will definitely take time, and they will struggle. They'll have their moments because you have you have a lot of big names on that team, and you have a lot of number one guys, and it's going to come to the point where who can push egos out of the way and say, hey, let's play as a team and really, you know, try to mesh or is it really going to divide them? And to be honest with you, I can see the latter. I can see it dividing them at some point. So, um, yeah, well, it, 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 it's I always I always think of it like like super groups in, in music. You know, you have these groups every now and then that come together, especially in rock music, that they have these these super famous people from all these different bands that come together and make one big band, you know? Like, especially now you have the older guys come together, like Velvet Revolver and Audio Slave, and these bands that come together that are from other bands and they make a super group. And then usually the super group doesn't make any music that's relatively close to as good as the first groups. No offense to Audio Slave and Velvet Revolver, I love their jams. But they're not anywhere close to what Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine did as far as Audio Slave goes. Okay, uh, so it's it's sort of the same thing. I think a lot of times when these these uh, basketball players come into these so-called super teams, it's like, are they really going to be that much? It's not an additive property. It doesn't mean just because you have Durant come on this team now, boom, it's Durant plus Warriors means they're not going to lose a game. They've got to work, like you said, as a team. 
And I don't think people see that. The other thing that annoys me uh, with this Durant talk that I can't stand is they bring it up all the time. Is, uh, is Durant mad at Westbrook? Is Westbrook mad at Durant? Who cares, man? They're not on the same team. They don't have to be friends. I don't get this. And I sort of blame it on LeBron because he's that friendly guy that's friends with everybody, and he's still friends with uh, uh, Dwayne Wade, and they talk all the time, and everybody loves to ask about how their friendship's going. And so now they expect that every former teammate that's ever worked with somebody else has to be friends at all times. And I'm like, they, they're not on the same team. They didn't even look like they were friends when they were on the same team. What makes you think now Westbrook's calling up Durant like, hey, man, how are things? What's going on in San Francisco? You seen any shows? You rode that little cart that goes around? The one with the, the trolley ding-ding thing? Cool. Like, they don't care about each other. Does that annoy you, or do, have you noticed that? Have you seen this? Like, this, this, I, I can't stand it. Uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things. That it's just it's professional sports nowadays. Everyone's friends. You look back in the day, you didn't have that. You didn't have at the end of the game, you know, people, you know, giving each other jerseys and signing stuff and taking pics and joking and yeah, hey, hey, how's Carol? You coming over for dinner Thursday? Okay, you know, you just didn't have that. So now you do. Um, but I, at the end of the day, no, I don't care if they're friends or they're not friends. It's just like Odell Beckham. It's something to talk about. It gets people's attention, so they're gonna talk about that, it. That's one of those things, though, that it's, it's just like you know, is I'm like, it doesn't bother me, you know, because then that was the other thing. It was like when when LeBron was friends with all these people and they were bringing it up, they're like, you, does this bother you? Should he be friends? And I'm like, I don't. I could care less who's friends with who. It doesn't matter if they're playing basketball, whatever. It, it goes off when you when you get on the court. But we're going to save the majority of our NBA talk for once basketball season starts. It's going to be on. But for now, we're still in football season, so it's not on. Um, we are about finished for this week, but I want to bring up one more topic before we go. It's becoming a little bit of a ritual. Uh, it's just for our ratings because we are getting mad ratings off of it. Uh, it's our Tebow comments. Last week we uh, ended with the fact that Tebow hit his uh, home run on his uh, first at bat. Came up, swung the bat, home run. Boom. Thank you, Jesus. All right. This week, I wanted to end with the fact that he has now ended Instructional League. That didn't take long. Well, wasn't that long of an Instructional League. He was 4 for 14. Uh, not that bad. Batting average of 286. Pretty good. But he was picked to play uh, in the Arizona Fall League. And he was picked to play for the Scottsdale Scorpions. Eric, do you know who else played for the uh, Scorpions? Um, Ricky Ricardo? Not Ricky Ricardo. Dang it. Think 1994. Um, I wasn't born then. <laughs> God, you young buck, right? Everybody, <laughs> what? Anyways, Michael Jordan. That's the same team that he played for in the Fall League. I thought that very ironic. Just how it happened, guys. I don't make this thing up. I don't make it up. That's what happened, okay? Anyways. Anyways, for this week's show, I am Doc G, and... 
I'm Eric Cirillo. And you've been listening to Funky Grooves and Fitness with Doc G. We'll see you next week on Thursday.